Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Um, oddly enough, it, the early followers of Jesus took about 15 to 20 years to figure out what to call themselves. Uh, they existed just kind of with a mishmash of names until it got to the city of Antioch, and the Bible tells us that's where the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. So prior to that, there were a couple of names that really stood out. One was uh, some folks who followed Jesus simply called themselves Nazarenes, as in I'm following Jesus of Nazareth. But the one that really had the groundswell of, of recognition uh, it was accepted widely by the people. It was even accepted by the Roman government. Those who followed Jesus until 20 years after the church was started were referred to as the way, which simply meant this is the way that people live now that they're following Jesus. So today we launched this new series kind of looking at that context of this is the way. That's the name of the series, meaning what does it look like? To follow him. Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 is what we'll look at over the four weeks of this series, where Paul clearly spells out some of the personal challenges every one of us is going to face when we attempt to follow Jesus. And today's challenge we're going to look at is how do we live wisely? Now, uh, I am, feel like I'm fairly safe in saying that you and I have something in common this morning. In fact, it's something every single one of us could say is true about us in this room this morning. Every person listening to this message can honestly say they've made some unwise decisions in their life. Anybody? Yep, there are a few people raising their hands, a little self-confession. Uh, I know I have. I've made some unwise decisions. There's money we wish we had never spent, uh, cars we wish we'd never bought, relationships we wish we'd stayed out of, jobs we wish we would have never accepted, and maybe it's phone calls we should have never returned. Got an unwise decision or two in mind this morning? If you're like me, it's easy to look back in our lives at some decisions that we made and ask, how could I have been so dumb, right? I should have known that was where it was going to take me. I should have known I'd have ended up in this mess. How could I have been so dumb? And in some case, we did know better, to be fair. But we wanted to do what we were thinking about doing so badly that we managed to convince ourselves that in spite of all of the evidence to the contrary, we were going to be that one person who beat the odds, and this was going to turn out good for us. So in spite of common sense, we trust our emotions, we do our own thing, and we're left wondering, what in the world was I thinking? So in those instances, we're kind of like this guy who's the poster child for unwise decisions. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, uh, best as I can tell, this is probably like every girl that he's ever had a crush on or dated, or it's just a very funny picture. There are two things that I love very, very much about this picture. Uh, the first is that my wife's name is on his chest. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Um, but the second one that's less humorous and probably much more practical is this image portrays vividly a painful truth. While some of our unwise decisions simply embarrass us, others scar us. And sadly, many of us have made unwise decisions that have cost us time and energy and money, that cost us relationships, 
And at some point, they may have even cost us a portion of our faith in God. I don't believe that anyone ever sets out to mess up their life. And yet our unwise decisions often take us somewhere we never wanted to go. And as we're mired in the consequences of this horrible decision we've made, we're acutely aware, aware that we need a clear path to making better, wiser choices in our life. So we're going to focus on just three verses out of Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. I think these verses can radically change the way that we make decisions. They give us a new filter to run things through and evaluate everything we are asked to do, everything we are tempted to become a part of. We can evaluate every opportunity, every invitation, every relationship. This passage challenges us to ask one simple question before we make that decision. Now, we'll discover together that this question isn't really easy to ask. And the reason it is uncomfortable to ask the question is because all of us have one more thing in common this morning, and that is we're really good at deceiving ourselves. We have the ability to make bad decisions look and sound like great decisions. We can make poor financial choices sound like a really wise investment opportunity. We can rationalize that three scoops of ice cream is good for us. And we usually seal that with the phrase, everybody needs to live a little, right? As if ice cream has the secret to life. And I'm convinced black cherry chocolate chip does, but maybe not three scoops worth. We're ingenious creatures. We can rationalize our way into and out of almost any situation. Now, the funny thing is, while we're rationalizing and and wrestling with the idea, most of us are keenly aware of the mental gymnastics we're going to in order to get to the place where we feel comfortable making a bad decision. The fact that we have to even rationalize a decision should be a clue to us. I don't know many people who sit around trying to dream up reasons to do the right thing. We only do that with the wrong stuff. It's only the bad decisions that require creative reasoning on our part. And that's why the simple question I'm going to introduce you to this morning is so helpful because it throws a spotlight on all of our excuses, all of our stinking thinking. It dismantles the arguments we put up to keep the truth at arm's length. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. He says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Let's break this apart and take a deep look at these three verses. First of all, Paul says, so be careful how you live. Paul has spent, by this point, he has spent all of chapter 4 in Ephesians and half of chapter 5 on this theme. That section of the Bible is one of the most practical sections in all of the Bible. Paul talks about everything from sex to marriage to alcohol to foul language and crude jokes. Paul talks about things like handling our emotions, what we think about, and even what we laugh about. And all of this writing that he does is crystal clear. It's thorough. It's about the lifestyle and character expected of us as a Christ follower. But Paul now transitions out of that teaching with his phrase, so in light of all this, be careful how you live. 
letting us know that living for Jesus is going to take moral discretion and practical skill in decision-making. Then Paul gives us a hint at what being careful looks like when he says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Which, out of those ten words, come the core question that helps us make better decisions. What is the wisest thing to do? I love that phrase, and I hate that phrase. Uh, I love it because it brings clarity to our specific decisions. I've been living with that phrase for about 10 years now, and when I have a decision that I'm facing, if there's no clear, obvious answer, I run it through that filter and try to figure out what's the wisest thing to do in this circumstance. And yet, I keep coming back to this question in spite of how challenging it is, simply because it does help me make wise decisions. And usually, it blows away any excuses that I've made up. Now, we need to admit that this question flies in the face of what we normally do when we have to face a decision where we're not absolutely certain what's right or wrong to do. Usually, we ask a very different question. We word it a number of ways, but it comes down to something like this. Is there anything wrong with me doing this? And we've all been there. We face some decision, some action that we have questions about, and what we often want to know is, is it illegal, immoral, or unethical? And if it's not, then it's a live option for us. Unfortunately, after a while, that kind of thinking around, is there anything wrong with this, degenerates into a deeper level of self-deception. And if we're honest, it drives far too many of the decisions that we make on a daily basis. It drives us to a deeper question, which is this. How close can I get to the line between right and wrong without actually doing something wrong? Now, if you've ever raised teenagers, you identify with this question. If you've ever been a teenager, you know what this question is like. How close can I get to the line before I've crossed into doing something wrong. If you've ever been on a diet and there were four boxes of Girl Scout cookies in your pantry, you know that this is a valid question. How far can I go without crossing the line? Okay, so maybe it's just a personal confession for me. How close can I be to wrong and still get this decision right? Now, if we live with those two questions long enough, we'll eventually find ourselves willing to live with a more dangerous question. And we sub out the first two for this last question, which is, how far over the line can I go without experiencing consequences? Just a classic example is, how far over the speed limit can I drive without getting pulled over? That's typical of this kind of decision. How unethical, how immoral, how insensitive can I be? How long can I ignore my family, my finances, or my relationship with God without it feeling the effects of my unwise decisions? That slippery slope begins ever so subtly. It begins by asking what seems like a noble question. Is there anything wrong with this? But it usually ends with a tragic question. How did I get myself into this mess? Ephesians 5 is teaching us that we can avoid a foolish ending to a circumstance if we begin with the right question, what is the wisest thing to do? 
Paul goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. It's really hard for us without a sense of biblical history to understand just what that meant to the people in Ephesus. It was an incredibly evil culture. Uh, I can't think of a good comparison. It was worse than almost any city that exists in the world today. It's like Las Vegas times three. The opportunities for us to make foolish decisions. Paul was very blunt with the Ephesians and with us. He says you have to be careful how you live. Because you don't live in a morally neutral culture. We live in a culture that encourages us in the most provocative ways to try to satisfy every appetite, every desire, even those that can never be fully satisfied. And if we're not on our guard, we can be drawn back into the lifestyle and the decisions that we said we wanted to leave behind when we said we wanted to follow Jesus. We need this question just as much as the Ephesians did. What is the wisest thing to do? It is the most helpful and at times annoying question that I've ever asked myself repeatedly. The passage ends with some fatherly wisdom from Paul where he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord's will is for you. It's like Paul put his arm around your shoulder and just kind of quietly in your ear said, you know what, just quit playing games with this. Stop rationalizing. Don't be mindlessly carried along with the crowd and the culture. Ask the uncomfortable question and embrace the answer. So to make this as practical as possible and maybe something you can take home with you, Let me explain how I use three simple variations of this one question, what's the wisest thing to do? And hopefully, I think they'll lead us to wise decisions over time, and I know they have for me, and I think they're easy to remember. Here's the first variation. It needs to be asked with a look to the rearview mirror of your life. In light of my past experiences, what's the wisest thing to do? We each have a unique personal history. We have a history that disposes us to specific strengths and weaknesses in our life. And consequently, what might be wise for me would not be wise for you and vice versa. Chances are there are places that you have no business going because of your history. Certain types of people, there are certain types of people we have no business associating with. I know who those people are for me. And when I'm with them, I tend to become like them. And just so we're clear, being like them doesn't mean I become a better person. And actually, I drop down to a level that I don't want to be at. Paul admonishes us. He says, look, don't be content with simply doing the right thing. Do the wisest thing. For some of us, That could very well mean we need to cancel our premium cable channels or stop dating the person we're currently dating or delete some social media apps from our phones and our tablets. And it's not because those things are inherently wrong in themselves. If there's something in our life that pulls us to that how close to the line can I get mentality, then eliminating that temptation in our life is the wisest thing to do. Second variation of the question is this, and it looks at 
today, right where you are today, and it's this. In light of my current circumstances, what's the wisest thing to do? Think about your life right now. Consider your frame of mind, your emotional state, even your physical health. Think about your responsibilities and commitments and your schedule as a whole. Is it jammed full or are there lots of open spaces in it? Think about everything that is going on in your life at this point in time and then ask the question, what's the, right, the wisest thing to do right now? Financially, vocationally, relationally, or even spiritually. Our circumstances in life are constantly changing. What's appropriate for us today may not be tomorrow in light of our current circumstances. What's foolish today might be wise a few months from now. And as a Christ follower, we are able, we are held to a different standard. What's the wisest thing to do in this instance? A third variation in this question is this. In light of my future hopes and dreams... What's the wisest thing to do? No doubt you have a picture of what you want your future to look like. For some of us, that's just a rough sketch, and for others, it's a very detailed plan of where we want to be in 5, 10, 20 years. What do we want our life to look like? What do we want our character to look like? For others who have it scripted out in detail, I mean, we all have hopes and dreams, even if it's not completely spelled out. And while it's true that life will always hand us unexpected twists and turns, we can plan in a way that how those things impact doesn't alter and reshape our future. Most often, it's not circumstances that take our future away. It's our decisions. We rob ourselves of our future hopes and dreams when we make decisions in the moment with no thought to the impact how this decision could change our future. It is important for us in every aspect to remember Paul's closing words on this little passage when he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Today's decisions have to be evaluated in light of how they impact tomorrow. Now, practically, I don't ask three questions around a decision. I lump all three of them together. And here's what it looks like. You know, in light of my past experiences... In light of my current circumstances and in light of my future hopes and and dreams, what's the wisest thing for me to do? Now, if you want to get better at living wisely, here's my suggestion to you. And that's type it out, write it out on a sheet of paper and put that piece of paper in places where you're going to see it multiple times on a daily basis. Cricket it on something and hang it so you see that. And you're constantly living with that question about what's the wisest thing to do. You put it somewhere you'll see it and read it often so that it gets deeply embedded in your soul because it will help you live wisely. Look, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's very specific about right and wrong, what we're to do and not do. But if we're honest, we encounter decisions in our life that aren't specifically addressed in the Bible. What we have to do then is take the principles that God lays out for us 
and in light of those principles, make the wisest decision we can in the moment. There are a lot of things in relationships and our emotions that aren't covered in Scripture. There are financial questions and professional questions, even some spiritual questions that I wish the Bible was really clear on. But we're left to apply principles to our specific situation. We have questions about where we really do want to know God's heart and what he would have us to do. And asking this specific question brings clarity. It brings a biblical clarity to what's the wisest thing to do with this decision. Ultimately, I love this question. I really do. Because it's the wisest things will always help us stay on track in following Jesus. And I want to make the wisest decisions I possibly can so that I stay on course in following him. Asking this question will expose the dark places in our heart and bring them out to light. Asking this question helps our life line up with what we say we believe. Asking this question, I believe, will get us one step closer to the place we want to be. And that is following Jesus with our whole heart.